A message of hope is exactly what the birth of Jesus Christ was, and a message of hope is exactly what the message of Christmas still is. It is really all about hope in a hopeless world. We're constantly reminded on a daily basis of just how fragile this world is and how fragile we are as human beings. Our mortality is ever, ever, ever before us. Uh, And it's kind of frightening. But with Christ, the Prince of Peace in our life, we can have a sure hope in this very unpredictable world we live in. And the greatest gift there is, is the gift of Jesus Christ. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I will read a couple of verses, and I will speak on the Christmas story from another point of view. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15 to 17. Look carefully, Paul says, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that's ever enlightening, Father God. And we know our need for it, God, for we ever need to be saturated with living water. We ever need to be set free by the spirit and by truth of the word, Father. Lord, we ask you by your Spirit to come and breathe upon this sermon today, God, that it might have life, and life abundantly, Father God. Open up our eyes, clear our visions, so that we can apprehend the times we live in, as Paul says, because they are evil. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. The Christmas Controversy. The name of our title is Only One Tree, and that will come out in the preaching today. But the Christmas controversy refers to issues surrounding the celebration and acknowledgement of the Christmas holiday. How the government feels about it, how media feels about it, how advertisement feels about it, how various secular movements, special interest groups, etc., etc. How do they feel about Christmas? Well, I think we all know that there's a war on Christmas. We've seen it. In society, we see it in the media, we see just about everywhere that there is an attack on Christmas, and basically an attack on everything representing Christianity. The controversy begins when the government or the media or advertisement, big business, corporations, special interest groups, universities, uh, attempt to avoid or discourage or banish Christianity out of the public forum. Any kind of symbolism, any kind of witness, any kind of storytelling that promotes at all any kind of Christian undertones or religious undertones. Even Charlie Brown has been taken out of schools and plays about Charlie Brown have been taken out of school because it has a religious connotation to it. How sad. How genuinely sad America is coming. But this is... The time we live in, as Paul says, be careful of the times you live in, be extremely careful because the days are evil. All religious expressions surrounding the Christmas story, and Christianity in particular, but the Christmas story specifically is what we're talking about today, has been uh, attacked and removed 
from the public eye, or it's under attack in all states, just about every state, to be put to the side, to behind closed doors. You can worship, but just don't do it in front of us. You know, you can have your religion, you can have your birth of a savior, but please, whatever you do, don't remind us of it. It's an attempt to secularize this wonderful day we celebrate. To strip it of any religious content, removing Christ from any place in it, re redefining it by just calling it a holiday. Happy holidays, we're all familiar with that now, or maybe Xmas and everything else. We try to downplay the reality that Christ is God and that the world needs a Savior. And so they don't mind marginalize it, but just don't let it have any kind of absolute truth. Don't let it speak to society as a whole. Whatever you do, put it somewhere, but just take it out of the public forum, take it out of the public eye. Many conservative commentators have labeled this the war on Christmas. Much of this comes from an ever-increasing change in the cultural landscape of America. America is constantly redefining itself ideologically. Also, we have this, we're living in a growing religious and culturally hypersensitive landscape. And we, this diversity on so many levels and most of all, it's expressed this way. Offend no one at any cost. That is an undertone within politics, within the universities, within uh, everywhere you go, within special social interest groups. It's don't offend anybody. And for some reason, I guess Christianity is the greatest offender of everybody. For some reason, I don't know, because that's the one that seems to be under attack the most. Remove Christ out of Christmas. Take him out of the stores. Take him out of the schools. Do whatever you want, but just don't offend. People are hypersensitive. People are easily offended. Emotionally, they're disturbed at the thought of a Christmas tree on maybe government property or in a school or somebody saying Merry Christmas to you or God bless you or how about prayer or anything like this. Anything remotely resembling any kind of religion, Christian religion is to be almost demonized. And I say almost because there are a lot of sincere people out there. But offend at any cost. This sounds crazy, but it is the truth. Because we live in a society that we pride ourselves on the freedom of speech. We fight for freedom of speech. America is America because the freedom to speak up to defend oneself with words, to protect oneself, to protect one's faith, to protect one's belief system. People from all over the world for centuries have come to America because there's a freedom to believe and to express that which is in your heart and that which is in your mind. It is a foundation, it's a cornerstone of America government. But it's interesting, something we cherish so much, like freedom of speech, in such a diverse culture we live in, eventually people will have their toes stepped on, people will be offended. You can't help but to offend people by belief system, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Islam, whether it's Judaism, whether it's atheism, it makes no difference. People's thoughts, people's belief systems, people's ideologies, philosophies, people's approaches to life, people's religious worship, 
will, to some degree, offend people. It shouldn't purposely go out to offend people, but to remove it from the public's eye because we want to be ultra-sensitive to hypersensitive people is not the answer. There's a growing thought that if this could just pervade America, this thought about don't offend anybody at any cost, it would be sort of the key to universal shalom. It would usher in maybe nirvana, just remove the obstacles of offense. Let's all just sort of get along with each other. Though we're culturally, ethnically, we, we think different, we approach life different, we all have different uh, virtues, we all have different convictions about how we approach life and how we live life and what family is and what God is and what humanity is. We all have this great diversity when it comes to it, but yet we're not to insult anybody with it. It's an impossibility. As great of a thought as it might be, to live in a world of such diversity, to live in a country of such, such diversity and not offend anybody by what we believe is ludicrous. Ideas, unfortunately, will offend hypersensitive people. Christians got to be careful. We too can be offended. We can feel like we're getting a short end of the stick, that the government's against us, and there's this great big conspiracy by Big Brother to eliminate Christianity and so on and so forth. And this, we got to be careful to get caught up in this emotional uh, sensitivity that the rest of the world is caught up. How does a Christian go about his life in this kind of world? This key to universal salome of offending nobody at any cost, just edit the bad stuff out of your religion. Take, a, take the absolute truth out that Jesus is not the only way, he's just a way. And we can all get along happily together. You know, and let's, let's remove it, let's edit it, let's tweak your religion a little bit. You know, it's been good, it's been 2,000 years, it's, it's been good for 2,000 years, but you know something, it's just not modern enough. You know, let's really get into what Jesus really meant. And, and people go about trying to tweak the Christian religion and trying to make it sort of relevant. People love relevant. That's another word for today. Everything's got to be relevant. Uh, pragmatism, you know what I mean? Just let's make it work. Let's all live in the sandbox of the United States and let's all have a good time. It doesn't work. It will never work. There's just too much diversity in the world. But there is an answer. And we'll speak about that answer as we go. But again, we need to recognize and be careful. As Paul says here, we need to know what the will of the Lord is. As Christians, how do we address the issue? Do we just jump on board and get angry? Take our toys back? Sort of, you know what I mean? It's my bat and ball, we're not going to play anymore. You know, Christianity was built on Christian foundations and it's a Christian nation. That could be debated. Do we just voice our opinion? Do we rally the wagons and protest on city halls all over America or maybe go to the White House on a, a million man Christian march against the American government? Surely we have to do something, don't we? I mean, Christianity's under attack. Don't we have to do something? Don't we have to rally the wagons? Brian, are you telling me to sit back and do nothing? Of course not. There is a war on, but how do we fight, is the question. And what's really 
at stake on the war against Christmas. Before I move on, I can assure you, everybody here, that God doesn't want any man who's a Christian to be bitter or angry, judgmental, critical. We are to, in all things, be loving, humble, patient with all people, Paul told Timothy. Witnessing, argumenting from the right position, from the right heart, is our call in life as the light and the salt of the earth. But from history we know that Christmas has had a long and tumultuous history. The Christmas holiday uh, was more an attempt by Christians to redeem certain pagan holidays. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm not going to go into all the history, but I'll give you a little uh, synopsis of it. Christmas, or Christ Mass, is a celebration of Christians all over the world of the birth of Christ. Traditionally, it begins on December 24th, and it goes to January 6th, the Epiphany. And it's, it's a recognition that the baby is the Christ, the Son of the living God. As to whether this date is accurate or not, it's probably not. It's more probably in the springtime, in, in March or April most likely. But tradition since the early 300s have placed it here as a memorial to celebrate Christ. It's a good thing. To whether this really matters or not, or whether it's really important to me and you or not, today is not really all that important. But what is important is that this day, by faithful believers, is what sanctifies and gives it meaning. We choose to celebrate the Lord's births, whether we do it July 1st or December 25th, it makes no really difference at all. We choose as Christians to do that. It's alright. Catholicism traditionally celebrates it in three Masses. It celebrates the Midnight Mass, it celebrates the Dawn Mass, it celebrates the Day Mass. And all this was a sort of a, a mystical attempt to interpret the virgin birth. The Midnight Mass was about the mystery of the Son of God Himself, the existence of Christ, eternal. The Morning Mass or the Dawn Mass was an explanation of the virgin birth. And the Day Mass is traditionally an explanation of the spiritual birth that goes on in the heart of faithful Christians who have embraced Christ, who believe that Christ is the Son of the living God who atoned for their sins. That's the way Catholicism has basically celebrated it. Over the centuries, several non-Christian elements have crept into the Christian festival. One of them is lights. We like Christmas lights. I like Christmas lights. My father-in-law likes Christmas lights. His son-in-law has never put them up for him, though. I don't think he likes me. He cannot get mad at me now. But it comes from, most likely, the Jewish feast of purification. Giving presents was a common custom in ancient Rome, but they would do it several times throughout the year as a show of a deep affection and appreciation for somebody. It was a common custom. We've adopted that common custom. The Christmas tree or the Yule tree or the Yule log were remnants of pagan nature worship, which centered around the winter solstice. In England and Scotland in the 1500s, this festival turned into the opportunity for reverie. It was to make merry, but it turned into something. It turned into a time of drunkenness and debauchery. The true meaning was stolen out of the heart of society. 
the England, the England, the English Puritan Parliament tried to ruin it. It, it outlawed it. It banned it, and it called it pagan, and banned anybody from celebrating it for almost over a hundred years. The Reformation sought to refine its original Christian element and try to bring Christ back into this and, and, and to redeem it for the kingdom of God. As we can see over history, Christmas has always been some kind of controversy attached to it. So as believers in the 21st century in Brooklyn and Long Island and Queens and the Bronx and wherever we find ourselves in America today, what are we to do? Is there an answer? Is there an approach? Is there a right heart to the whole situation we find ourselves in? Well, Paul gives us some clues. One is to be careful. Because the days are evil in every respect, and evil is always redefining itself. We always need to be careful, no matter believers in the Old Testament, and the believers in the New Testament, believers in the first millennium, believers in the second millennium, believers in the 21st century, believers in the 15th century, have always come into contact with some sort of attack on faith, and how do we deal with it? Whether it's today, whether it's the Renaissance, whatever it might be, there's always been an encroaching attack on desensitizing people to the fact that Jesus Christ is God. And that mankind needs a Savior. Well, we need to determine to know God's will in all circumstances we find ourselves in. As evil redefines itself, Christians have to have a wisdom have to have a calculating understanding on how to approach life. How to approach people that we love in a culture that I love America. I love my family. I love friends. I love the diversity that's in America. I think it's outstanding. I think as Christians it is a time of opportunity. When I turn around and I see a church filled, whether it's black and Spanish and Chinese, and we had it last night, we had the Arabic church, we had Salvation Army, and a big contingency is the Indian believers, and we, had, we were there last night, and we were worshiping together. See, that's diversity with unity, because the unity in diversity is found on the common knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. It needs a common denominator, and the common denominator is Christ, our Savior, not, let's not be offended. That is not the common denominator that's going to usher in a time of universal shalom. Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace. It's Christ that we need. In every circumstance we find ourselves in life, we need to point people to Christ. We need to recognize that Christmas or the birth of Christ is only a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. The death of Christ is the center. Please understand something. The death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection is the center of New Testament teaching. It is the center of New Testament theology. And it is the center of all New Testament preaching. The birth of Christ by Paul is only used twice in Romans chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 4. Peter doesn't speak about it. John doesn't speak about it. Uh, the book of Hebrews don't speak about it. The book of Revelation don't speak about it. But they all speak and preach on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the birth is only a means to an end. Even the death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection is only a means to an end to bring people back into a saving knowledge of God. 
So we can have a horizontal relationship. And when you've got the vertical relationship going on, then the horizontal relationships understand something. We will learn how to love God and love one another as ourselves. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The early century, the early, in the early centuries, Christians didn't even celebrate the birth of Christ. It was a, in one sense, it was a non-essential. But they all, from day one, celebrated the death and resurrection of Christ. All attention, all focus, all energy was given to this historical fact that Jesus Christ was born, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified, died, and buried, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. And we proclaim that here every Sunday because true believers believe that with all their heart, strength, soul, and their mind. We need to keep focused at all times on this truth and turn contemporary ignorance into a witnessing opportunity. Not to get caught up in emotions running high, not to get caught up in being angry at the government or being angry at any one social interest group. It makes no difference. We are to have compassion for people that don't see life the way we see it. We should be prayerful. We should be concerned. We should be considerate. We should be able to know our own religion good enough that I can hear the arguments of society. One of the frustrations in Christians' lives is that they don't understand the Christian message. But when you understand the Christian message, I have great patience for people that don't see life my way. And it's not about a war of words. It's not by trying to be right. It's not by trying to point down on somebody. It's reason with somebody. I tell everybody who disagrees with Christianity, give me a better answer. Give me a better answer. Give me something that puts me to sleep at night in this world we live in. Give me something when I kiss my child goodbye in the morning, I'm going to see him again. And if I don't see them again, there's hope in my heart. Give me something for me and my wife when we close our eyes together at night to know that there's something more substantial than this sick world we live in. Give me a better philosophy. Find me a better religion. I've never heard one good argument against it. Give me something that's going to give me peace in my life in the turmoil I live in. Give me something that gives me some kind of understanding. I'm a reasonable, intelligent person that wants to make a significant change in people's lives. Give me something that's better than the cross of Jesus Christ. I have to be honest with everybody here. God is not concerned the least with what people do or say or think about December 25th. As a matter of fact, God's not concerned about any tree except one. And that's the one His Son hung on to die for our sins. That's the only tree God is concerned with. It was on Calvary, on this skull mountain, Golgotha, is the only tree God is concerned about. If you would never have another Christmas tree in the world, God would not care. It's the message of the gospel. 
And as Christians, we need to take our lead carefully from Scripture and not from culture. Many in the conservative circles who say they're Christians, I don't know if they are or if not, they have a very low view of Christ. They have a very low view of Scripture. They have a very low view of the cross and the resurrection. It's a low view. They like to fight, but more it's about, they're not fighting for biblical, historical Christianity. They're fighting for nostalgic Christian Christmas. They're fighting for Rudolph, and they're fighting for chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And they're fighting for, you know, Jack Frost nipping at their nose, and they're fighting over their warm, fuzzy feelings of their childhood. But they're not fighting for the Son of the Living God. That's Christianity. They're not defenders of the faith. They too are misguided, and they too are lost, and they too need a Savior. And to be sure, many cultural Christians in America today find themselves upset at these turn of events. But they themselves are eternally lost and damned also. They too have no hope. They too have no Savior. This is a good opportunity to teach real, historic Biblical Christianity. To be patient with all people. To be loving and compassionate. Listen to the arguments people have to say. Listen to reasoning. We have to remember only God knows what's reasonable anyway. And the closer we are to God, the more we know what's reasonable. We know what's beneficial. We know that brings hope in hopeless situations. We know that brings peace in times of anxiety. We know that God never fails his children. We talk about a true religion that truly saves sinners and gives them understanding in this world. It gives us an understanding of our own nature, our own failings, our own inconsistencies. It gives us understanding about the curveballs of life, the disasters and terrors by night. It gives us understanding. Understand that God's will in this ever-increasing evil age of unbelief we live in. Christians should never become emotional. Please hold on to this. I pray this for everybody. Christians should never become emotional over the contemporary unbelief that they see around them. We shouldn't be overly emotional about people disagreeing with Christ or with Christmas or trying to remove it from the public arena. Don't get emotional about it. The laws of the land are there for everybody. And as Christians, we should take full uh, potential of anything the Lord gives us to have the freedom of speech, to express our religion, to express our belief, whether it's a Christmas tree or it's witnessing and telling other people about Christ. And, and if people are offended, well, you know, we don't want to offend anybody, but if they're offended, they're offended by God. There's nothing we can do about that. But we don't stop talking about it. It's not about Christmas trees, it's about witnessing the Savior. And to let people know that don't, are not familiar with historical Christianity, Christianity from its inception has been under attack. They went after Christ, Herod went after the baby Jesus. And he slaughtered all the babies of two years old and younger in an attempt to try to find the Christ and to kill him. Christianity in its exception under Judaism was under attack. They killed God. They killed God. They killed all the apostles. 
Caesar did not want to know there was another Lord in town. Caesar did not want to know there was a man called Christ, Christos, Lord of heaven and earth. Caesar did not want to know that. Nero did not like it. And he slaughtered tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of Christians in the arena. He burned them alive. God was not trying to change the culture. God is into changing human hearts. We fight a culture war. We shouldn't as Christians. We carry the message of salvation that alone changes lives and saves sins. Let's be careful not to get emotional over this. Christianity has always been under attack and understand something God has never lost. Nor will he ever lose. Please understand something. We have to stop looking to the world to defend Christ. We have to stop, stop looking to the world to promote Christ. Understand something. Retailers like Macy's and Target and Kohl's and Saks Fifth Avenue and the government are not new creations. You and I are new creations. Starbucks is not an ambassador of Christ. You and I are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Newscasters are not defenders of the faith. Everyday ordinary Christians like you and me believe as we defend the faith. We don't look to American presidents, whether on the right or the left, to help in the effectiveness of the gospel. Understand something, government can't help the gospel, and the government can't diminish the power of the gospel. Understand something, Paul says it this way, in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the gospel is the power of Almighty God for salvation for all those who would believe, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Peter says it in Acts chapter 4, he says, Whether it is right before you and before God, you must be the judge. Peter goes on to say this, For we cannot speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. You cannot lock up the gospel. You cannot diminish its power. You can take all the Christmas trees out of every public arena. You can take the Bible out of the classroom. You can take the commandments out of uh, the government. But understand something, you can't take the good news out of a Christian's heart. John says it this way, that the light came into the world, but the darkness could not overcome it. God says, and I quote, I have glorified your name, Jesus, and I will glorify it again. Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, by the word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all the glory of man are like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word, which by the gospel we preach to you, it endures forever. Mankind, Satan, cannot stop the gospel. Don't get emotional. Don't take tantrums. Don't get caught up. And the cultural war on Christmas, keep your eyes on the cross and on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the Christian's answer. That is the Christian who knows the will of God in this evil age and is careful how he walks. We are to be witnesses of the power of Christ to save sinners and the supremacy of Christ over all governments and all kings and all princes and all ideologies in the world and the beauty of Christ overcome every philosophy and every false religion made of men. Christians are not electioneers for some spiritual candidate. Vote for Jesus. No, by no means. We are not defenders of Christmas trees. We are witnesses to the resurrected Lord of Lords and King of Kings to a dying world who are lost in confusion 
and hopelessness. This is the timeless, eternal Christian Christmas message. Please understand something. Listen to the angel, to Mary. Fear not, or the angel to the shepherds. Forgive me. Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ's birth is only part of the plan of salvation. It doesn't stand alone from the death and resurrection. We don't isolate it from the crucifixion and the resurrection. We can understand it alone, but it's a part of a whole. And God's Christmas present to everybody here is His Son, Jesus Christ. Christmas doesn't begin on December 25th. It doesn't begin in April or March. It begins right now. Have you had the new birth in your heart? Have you had the birth of salvation in Christ in your heart? That's Christmas. That's the good news of great joy. Everything else is a formality. Everything else is superficial. Everything else is nostalgic. It has nothing to do with eternal life. I enjoy Christmas in a nostalgic way. But I love the birth of Christ every day. The birth of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the second coming of Christ informs my life every day. It encourages me every day. It gives me hope. It gives me peace. It gives me joy, inexpressible and filled with glory. Don't look to Christmas trees. Don't look to the government to turn around and become a Christian world. Understand something. The answer is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus Christ is an invitation to eternal life. If you are here today, I can assure you by God's grace and the authority of his word that he longs to forgive you, that he longs to give you redemption and forgiveness of your sins. He longs to take you out of the fear of the world. He longs to take you out of hopelessness. He desires more than anything to become your eternal father. He desires for Christ to be birthed in your heart, to receive the everlasting gift of eternal life, to be born again, as Jesus says. But that is an invitation. And if you want that invitation in your heart today, you can ask Christ right where you are right now, Lord Jesus, Forgive me of my sins and come into my life and be the savior of my soul. Take a moment now and reflect on that. If you truly desire salvation, if you truly desire forgiveness, if you truly desire hope in this hopeless world we live in, Christ is here right now by faith. Apprehend him, ask him to come into your life and truly forgive you of all the sins you've ever committed. And he will forgive you in Christ's name.